invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 John. 1 John, we're going to be starting at chapter 2, verse 28, and then reading through chapter 3, verse 10. So 1 John 2, verse 28 through 3, verse 10. There we have these words that come from God. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that He appeared so that He might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. That is the word of the Lord. I encourage you to keep your Bibles open as we look at this section one of the, the things that, that many of us pastors do when we're visiting people, especially people who are, are either um, on their deathbed or who are struggling with a, uh, an ongoing um, illness, is, is to ask that question, do you know that you're right with God? When, when the Lord takes you from this life, do you know what what will happen to you? Do you know where you'll go when you die? And, and one of the responses that, that I have heard very often is the response, I sure hope so. One of the things that, that John wants to do in his letter to, to people that he dearly loves is he wants to give them assurance. He wants the, the people that he's writing to, if they were asked that question, do you know that you belong to God? He doesn't want any of them to say, well, I hope so. He wants them to say, yes, I do. And so that's what I want for, for you. I want you to have that assurance, and, and we're going to look at that assurance. That's why we that singing that song, Blessed Assurance, was so, so beautiful, uh, we're going to look at that assurance by looking at, at three things tonight. An adopting father, an appearing son, and abiding children. An adopting father, 
an appearing son, and abiding children. First of all, an adopting father. If we look at at chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Now, there's actually a a missing word here in the NIV. NIV NIV missed it here. Uh, There's a missing imperative, a command. Some of you may have memorized this passage in the the King James Version, or, or maybe you know the song. Behold what manner of love the Father has. Some of you have heard that, okay? Or, or maybe you memorized it in, in those words. Behold what manner of love the Father. That's a very good translation. There's actually that command there. Is, Behold, look, see. John is, is saying, you, you got to pay attention. You got to look at what I'm about to tell you. Behold, look, see. It, 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 he's not just, just going to state a fact here and say, well, here's something that you might want to know. No. Look at this. And, and what is it? He says, he says how great. Actually, the, again, the, the old uh, version is, is better. What manner. The, the word is what kind of, what sort of. That this word is only used one other time in the New Testament. It's in the story where, where Jesus calms the, the storm on the sea. Remember that story? The disciples are in the boat, and, and Jesus, and the, the disciples are, are kind of afraid because of the storm. But do you know that the Bible doesn't say that they were afraid before, while the storm's going on? It doesn't say that. But Jesus calms the storm, and then it says, and they were terrified. And what did they say? They said, what kind of man is this? That's the same word. It's actually, if, if you, you, you take the word back all the way to its, its root meaning, it means from what country. The disciples, after you know, seeing Jesus calm the storm, like, where is this guy from? What country? What sort of man is this? And that's the same word that John uses here. What kind of love is this? This is love that is not from this country. It is out of this world love. That's why you got to see it. That's why you've got to look. This Love is out of this world. David Jackman, a commentator, he says, it's meant to take our breath away. Just this this one phrase. It's meant to take our breath away. I wonder, how often does the love of the Father take our breath away. Many of us have grown up in the church, heard it all our lives. We've sung the song, Behold what manner of love, and again, it's all nice. Does it take our breath away? Why not? And I, and I wonder if it's because we 
we fail to recognize the depth of our sin. And, and sometimes we, we think of, of the, this love that the Father has in adopting us as children. That, that that's just something that, it's not that big of a deal. You know, like if we could just picture it, you know, like, like God walks into, into the, the adoption center. And there in the middle of the room is this beautiful, perfect little boy or girl. Perfectly well-behaved, nicely dressed. And, and God says, oh, look at that. That's just beautiful. That's the one that I'm going to choose as my son or as my daughter. And sometimes we think that that's kind of the way this is when, when God adopts us as his children. But, but the picture really is God walks into an orphanage and, and there in the corner is a filthy, filthy little boy or girl. Just an absolute mess. And God calls that, that boy or girl over and, and and he says, I don't, I'm not coming. I hate you. And God says, come over here. And that boy or that girl comes over and she spits on his shoes. Says, I told you, I hate you. And then that child walks away cursing this father. Telling everybody how stupid this father is. And God says, that's the one. That's the one that I've chosen to love. How great is the love of the Father. It's meant to take your breath away. But it, it, it says that he would call us children of God. And, and that's pretty amazing. But, but did you notice? I mean, it, you could call me lots of things. You could call me an NBA All-Star. You could call me the best basketball player that ever lived. And you would be sadly, sadly mistaken. And that's why it, it, he says here that we would be called children of God. And, and that should make you go, oh, that's pretty cool. We're called children of God. What does it say next, though? And that is what we are. God doesn't just call you his child. He has made you his child. Your status is changed. It is meant to take your breath away. What kind of love is this? That we would be called the children of God. And that is what we are. We have an adopting father. But then there's also an appearing son. Look at, at verse 2. Kind of brings these, these ideas together. Dear friends, now we are children of God. There he says it again. We are children of God. Just lost my place. Where would he go? And, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know when he appears, we shall be like him. 
for we shall see him as he is. And that idea of appearing is, is actually pretty important in this section. Uh, we saw that same word in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 28, shows up in, in 3, verse 5, and then verse 8, this idea of appearing. Now, why would that be important to, to John? In fact, it's an important aspect of this letter and the reason is because John was writing to, to a church or to, to churches that were dealing with false teachers. These false teachers were teaching that, that Jesus he wasn't really human. Well, Jesus may have been human, but Christ wasn't really human. He just seemed to be human. Because they said they believed that that, that which is spirit is good. But anything that is, is flesh, anything that's physical, is evil. So they said there's no way that God would actually take on flesh. There's no way. And John, at the beginning of this letter, he says, now wait a second, we saw him. We touched him. We heard him. He did appear. He came in flesh, a real man, in a real place, a real time. He appeared. And that's why this is such an important part of this letter for John. It says, he appeared. He came. Verse 5, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away sin. This is the reason why he came. He, he didn't come simply to be a good example. He didn't come to, to just simply show us how to live. He didn't come to be our life coach. He certainly didn't come simply to make life easy for us. He appeared to take away our sins. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Not only would he call us his children, not only would he make us his children, but he made a way for us to become his children, for us to be his children by giving his own son who came, who lived the perfect life that we should have lived, who died the death that we deserved. And, and you notice it says there, in him is no sin, end of verse 5. In him is no sin. Here is the only one who could ever have a perfect relationship with the Father because he had no sin. And yet, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How great is the love of the Father that he would give his Son he appeared to take away sin. Look at the end of verse 8. It's actually a, a parallel passage there. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Not only did he take away the penalty of sin, the punishment of sin, he also came to take away the power of sin. He appeared in flesh to suffer, to die to take sin on himself, to crush the power of sin. 
John talks about a, another appearing of the Son uh, back in, in chapter 2, verse 28. It says, when he appears. So now we're not talking about the past appearing. We're talking about a future appearing, when he appears. Uh, and then again, chapter 3, verse 2. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We will be like him. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? When Christ appears again, we will receive glorified bodies, just like his glorified body. And when he appears, we will also be without sin. All our sin taken away when Christ appears. And that, that connects us then with the third point. Now, I've got I to say one more thing before we go to the third point. We got time for this. John wants to be very clear that this idea of Jesus coming in the flesh and what Christ has done, that is, is the gospel. The gospel is centered on a real person in real history. The, the false teachers of that time, they were saying that they knew... they. They're called Gnostics, which is a, a Greek word for, for knowledge. And they said, we have secret knowledge. We know things that nobody else knows. We have, we have this, we've had this experience, and so we know. We have new revelation. And John is saying, you don't need new revelation. There is no new revelation because we've had the full and complete revelation of who God is in Jesus in Him and in Him alone. And so one of the things that, that, that's a temptation in the church today is for us to say, yeah, Jesus, yes, all that stuff about the gospel, but we, we need to have something bigger and better and greater and, and, and more exciting, and, and we need to have experiences that are way better than that. And John is saying, no. You need Christ, the incarnate God, and that's all you need. So, you know, you, you come to, to worship, and I, it's, it's a temptation to want to come to worship and want to have these incredibly powerful experiences. You say, then we met God. No, you, you meet God through His Son, and you meet God through His Word. This is where it's at. And that's all you need. You don't need secret knowledge. You need Jesus. That's the appearing Son. And that's why that's, that's so important for us. And, and now we'll go on to, to abiding children. And, and it fits together. And look at verse 28 again. And now, dear children, continue. Now, this... This word that, that's translated continue here, it's a, a huge word for John, and it's a word that um, I would prefer to translate as abide, or, or to reside, or to remain. And, and John has been calling the, the people that he's writing to, he says, you, you must abide. Remember, Jesus taught that, it's in John 15, where he said, abide in the vine, 
Remain in me. And, and here he says it again. And now, dear children, continue or abide or, or remain or reside in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Now remember, what does John want for his, his people, these, these children, these spiritual children of his? He wants them to have assurance. So he, he wants them to have confidence when Christ comes back. When you think of Christ's return, what, what kind of feelings does that bring up in you? Is there fear? And I know for some of us it, it does bring up fear because just don't know. And John wants for you and I want for you, and I know your pastor wants for you this kind of assurance that says, I can be confident when Christ comes again. So that when Christ comes again, I don't have to back away in fear and say, oh, what's he going to do? I can be confident that when Christ comes again, he's going to embrace me as his, as his brother, as a child of God. But the question then that, that John raises is, how can you have that assurance? Well, I mean, that, doesn't that sound kind of cocky and arrogant to think that you can have confidence well, how, where's that confidence come from? Well, that confidence, first of all, comes from the security that we have in knowing that we are adopted children of God. Think about that. That's why one of the reasons I read Ephesians one at the beginning of the of the past or of the of the service, because there the the praise of His glorious grace that Paul was talking about comes down to the the fact that. God adopted us as his children. And when God says, I have chosen you to be mine, that's the end of the story. That's it. He chose you. He adopted you. You're secure. You're safe. You're kept in him. And so if you think, well, what if I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing when Christ comes again? That's not the point. You're safe in Him. But where else does that confidence come from? It comes from, and this is what, what John is, is highlighting, it comes from us abiding in Him. If we go on down to verse 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. And, and that's a confusing passage for, for many of us. What? what? We're not going to sin anymore? The, the sense there is, is the idea of continuing on in sin and, and simply saying, big deal. I'm just going to keep sinning. That's who I am. Yep, I have a terrible temper. Yeah, I, I cheat people at work. Yeah, I treat my spouse or my kids horribly. It's just who I am. I gossip all the time. Not a big deal. And so here John gives assurance 
through a warning. He says, those who belong to God cannot have a cavalier attitude towards sin. You can't. Because if you are born of God, you have God's seed in you, you will not shrug off sin as if it's no big deal. God is doing a work in His children. He will do a work in His children. And so His children will see the evidence. John goes on to to say in the next section that that evidence is all about love. It's all about whether we we love. But we cannot have a, a cavalier attitude towards sin. If we do we're not like our Father. And then we're showing, we're demonstrating that we don't belong to Him. John had said, Jesus came, He appeared to destroy the devil's work. If He came to destroy the devil's work, how can you continue on doing the devil's work? That's the warning. But, but the assurance that, that comes from that is that when you know that and then you, you see the sin in your life, you run back to Christ. But you know, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the fascinating things about, about gro- spiritual growth is that the more that you are growing in your holiness, the more you recognize your sin. Anyone else... Ever notice that? Like when you were a new Christian or you know, young in, in your in, in your journey with Christ, thought, I got this thing down. Look, I gave up that sin, I gave up that sin, I got this thing down. And then you're growing in holiness, and you're like, Man, wow, I yeah, I guess I didn't realize that I do that too. And, and oh man, that part of me is not oh man. And the more you grow in holiness, the more you realize how far you have to go. And John is saying to us, to these dear children, he's saying, when you recognize your sin, you run back to Christ. You repent of that sin. And then just revel in the grace that he gives you over and over and over and over again. Every time you repent... Every time you repent, if you belong to him, you will be reminded and assured you are a child of God. God the Father chose you. He adopted you. The Son appeared to take away your sin. And he will keep you. He will keep you. He will hold you. He will make you abide and remain with him both now and into all eternity. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love, the love that you have lavished on us that we would be called children of God, and that is what we are. Thank you for the gift of your son Jesus who came and appeared to take away sin. And so, Lord, help us to 
to, to fight against sin in our own lives, to, to, to kill the sin in our lives, to always continually abide in you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for keeping us secure as your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand and receive God's parting blessing after which we will sing, To God Be the Glory. God sends us out with his parting blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. Give you his peace now and forevermore. Amen. To God be the glory, number 473.